Hi, and welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast. I am your host and the founder of Brave Parenting, Kelly Newcomb, and this is where you'll receive the encouragement, insight, and information you need to raise kids of character and our culture of technology and media. We call it Brave Parenting because it takes courage and it takes hard work to not only keep on top of technology and all of its changes, but then to decide how you incorporate that into your family's lives. Our goal here at the Brave Parenting Podcast is to keep you informed and equipped to raise your tech-savvy kids. Welcome to today's show. In the news, malls are turning to video games to help replace ailing department stores. Came out that Simon Property Group said it will be investing $5 million into the entertainment company Allied Sports, which will then create lounges for competitive video games events at Simon's Malls. Simon has said that it is working with the company Ninantic, which is behind the augmented reality game Harry Potter Wizards Unite, in order to turn 200 of its shopping centers into game locations that players can visit while they role play as wizards. So if you have heard of Harry Potter Wizards Unite, it's very much like Pokemon Go, which is a very popular high-grossing game where it's augmented reality, you are searching for these virtual um, prizes or people, if you will. So imagine this, we've got a mall now that is full of video gamers and and kids um, walking around looking for their virtual wizards and and, and magical items. Um, You know, before one of the Pokemon Go concerns was that Children and adults were walking around outside endangering themselves as they stared down at their phone looking for these virtual or, you know, augmented reality items. Um, Maybe people walking into traffic or falling off of curbs or cliffs and that sort of thing. So now we do have a safe space for them, right? We're going to have maybe the malls for our children to do since Amazon has sort of taken over. They're not, there isn't as nearly as many people at the malls for our children to run into. Um, maybe only a bench, or maybe we'll find them falling into fountains. Um, but of course, as a parent, right, when we think about our malls turning to video game competitions, we think, ah, oh, you know, is there anywhere they can go to get away from this? And the reality is, no, this is sort of the culture that we live in, and video games is sort of just the new sport. It is just like football, just like basketball and baseball. It is that big, and it is going to surround us everywhere we go, and now it will be at our malls. So, also in news, There's the headlines, which created a lot of controversy. It came out by USA Today. Caught your teen sexting, it asks. Says, don't freak out, experts say. Study found it can be healthy. So USA Today goes on to report that there's a new research paper published by Lancet Child Adolescent Health, where researchers concluded that consensual sexting, which is the sending and receiving of nude pictures or explicit pictures, so this consensual sexting in a committed partnership might be indicative of healthy exploration. The article does go on to say that there is still plenty wrong about sexting, particularly when it comes to kids of younger ages. But they're saying that they're really relying on this truth that adolescents exploring their sexual identity is not only normal, but it's a developmental and biological imperative, they say. Right, so I think as parents, as we read this, we kind of become outraged. There's very few parents who condone this behavior, who actually say, yeah, go ahead and, you know, send, you know, nude pictures or half-naked pictures of yourself 
you know, over your phone to friends or boyfriends, or whatever. None of us would, would consciously say that we support or encourage our children to do this. And this article is saying, hey, you know, don't freak out. This could be healthy. What we need to look at, um, you know, step back and look at this with discerning eyes is first, they say that um, this might be indicative of healthy expiration. That is the actual quote from the study. So it's not an assured fact, right? It is only a possible correlation that this committed partnership or those consensual sexing could be healthy exploration. So as a parent, let me, you know, at, let me ask this. So this is what we need to consider. What is, you know, consensual sexting and what is really a committed partnership? When a guy, for example, is requesting a nude from a girl, the girl may consider that to be a committed relationship or a committed partnership. However, the guy may not, right? He may just want, you know, the nude picture because, you know, guys are visual. We know that that's the primary source of asking for the nudes is from the guy to the girl. So if this is not you know, mutual on both ends. And how are we defining that mutuality, right? Is it that they're, you know, in a committed dating relationship, they've been dating for, you know, six months, a year. Well, really, we know that that's actually pretty rare with teen culture these days. Very often they're just talking or they're hanging out in a group of friends. Is that what they consider consensual sexting? The next question we must really consider is, If it was consensual, say they were dating for six months and they agreed to send these pictures back and forth, what happens when their relationship ends, right? And all of a sudden that ex-boyfriend, that ex-girlfriend becomes, you know, enemy number one. And um, to get back at them, you know, either the guy or the girl spreads these pictures to their friends. Then what happens, right? Then all of a sudden this healthy exploration that these researchers felt like might be present isn't going to really be health anymore. That's when all of the anxiety and fear of this is going out all over the internet. That's when those behaviors and concerns come about. And the third question really is, right, who has not accidentally sent a text to the wrong person? Even though this is consensual, we have to realize that this is not really that private. When it's going over text message, when it's going over the internet, maybe through iMessage, it's so easy to accidentally hit the wrong recipient when doing that. As we look at this for our kids, the conversation still must be occurring that yes, it is normal for them to want to explore their sexuality and to be curious about sexual things, about the opposite gender. And of course, that's going to happen during the teenage years, but this really isn't a healthy way to explore that. The consequences, right? Those long-term consequences of what could happen in the future, should these pictures be shared is pretty grave. And that's what I think, you know, this is a one-time study of of children under 18. Um, It's not a longitudinal study. They're not saying, hey, we interviewed these 16-year-olds who consensually sexed it. And then we came back to them, you know, like eight, 10 years later and asked how they felt about it. And they actually still really feel like, yes, this was, they were so glad that they sent these nude photos to that high school boyfriend. Not at all, right? They're only looking at a one-time snapshot. Long term, our children are not going to be happy that they have these nude pictures out there somewhere on someone's phone or somewhere floating on the internet as they get older, as they you know, approach marriage and they're having their own children. That is really what we need to be considering when we have those conversations about sexing in our children. 
All right, our character virtue of focus today is going to be on reliability. This is the number one virtue that employers look for when hiring and interviewing employees. So now let's look at reliability. It's something that we really value in our everyday life. Let's look at some examples. So we really rely on cell phone service, right? To stay connected. Who hasn't become furious when all of a sudden they have no bars left and they can't send a text message? For me, this happens in Costco all the time. I don't know if you shop at Costco and I want to text home like, hey, do we need more you know, paper towels or toilet paper? And my text won't go out because the warehouse is so huge and I can't get my cell service in there, right? I'm sure you've been there too. I want that reliable service where I can always send a text out. Or perhaps um, reliable mail. You may think, oh, you know, we don't really send that many letters and whatnot, but who has been frustrated when your Amazon package should have been delivered on Monday and it is Tuesday and you have not received it, right? You're like, hey, I pay for Prime, I want next day shipping and it has not arrived, right? We value that reliable mail service. Airlines, we really value reliable airlines that take off on time and that land on time. Reliable cars, something that's very crucial to our everyday life and society. But even more than that, we really value reliable auto mechanics someone that we can trust, that we can bring our vehicle to and trust that we're not going to be ripped off in order to get the maintenance done on our car that we need to. Um, Another one that I think um, is really interesting that I wanna bring up is reliable pharmacies. Um, Many of you know that I'm actually um, a licensed pharmacist. That's what my original training is. And I still practice part-time in a community pharmacy. And still um, today, you know, pharmacy is one of the most trustworthy professions there is. So reliability has so much to do with trust. So you rely on your pharmacy to give you the right medicine, to have it ready on time. That's a huge reliable thing. And I know being on the inside of a pharmacy, um, especially a retail community pharmacy, that people get very, very frustrated when we are not reliable. So that is something that we truly value, right? We rely on doctors, we rely on pharmacies. So this is a big deal in our life. It's not just about phones. However, we're going to talk about it and how our reliability as a character virtue can really come down to smartphones. So when it comes to this technology, to the smartphone, parents right really rely on their ability to get a hold of their child whenever and wherever. Not only that, they rely on the ability to track them, to track their location and where they're at. We as adults, we also rely on our phones. Um, and really this goes, holds true for teens and kids. We rely on it to inform us, right? To give us news or maybe newsworthy information. Also to educate us, whether it be through podcasts or audiobooks or even YouTube, right? To entertain us through Netflix and video games. And not only that, we rely on our smartphones to wake us up in the morning with the alarm and to get us where we need to go through GPS and navigation. But the question we kind of need to ask is do we lose some of our own reliability? as a person, when we rely on our phones solely. Sometimes I think that we translate this reliability of our phones to our friends and family. We almost expect too much from them, right? We rely on them to answer our texts immediately, you know, regardless of the time of day, regardless of their availability. And we like to act like this is reliable. This friend or this family member is reliable because they always text back. 
But really, it's a question of availability versus reliability. And there needs to be that distinguishing. Just because someone doesn't answer back immediately, that doesn't actually mean they're not reliable. Reliable is if they text back, you know, within a day or an appropriate time based on that question. So what actually goes into making someone reliable? We want to look at this and ask this question because, like I said, this is one of the number one virtues that employers are going to look for. So as our children continue to grow older and enter the workforce, we want to make sure that they understand what it looks like to be reliable and the difference that is to being always available. So here's some practices that reliable people do. Number one, they manage their commitments. So being reliable does not mean that you say yes to everyone, but it does mean that what you commit to, you actually follow through with. So if you are planning a lunch date or a meeting and that's happening maybe over your text messages or even over a phone call, managing those commitments well is making sure that that quick, oh yeah, we can meet, actually makes it to your calendar so that you can be reliable to that person. Someone who is reliable also proactively communicates. And this is really important because uh, with instantly available communication, there's really no reason why not to do this. But like if you're running late, then go ahead and and text that person. I apologize, I am running late. Um, Or even call them if you're already late. However, if you text, hey, I'm on my way, you should actually be in the car. It's the last thing that you do before you put the car and drive and start driving is to actually leave, right? We don't wanna be texting this while we're actually on our way, right? That would be bad, but we wanna proactively communicate. Another thing that reliable people do is to strive to excel daily. Now you may not see how this comes into play with reliability, but let's look at this. Excelling daily means that you are implementing daily disciplines in order to sharpen your focus and strive for everyday excellence. Remembering that, you know, excellence does not equal perfection. So when you think of this, um, how easy it is with the smartphone and all of its notifications to sort of take over your day, right? It sort of leaves you um, physically present. Maybe you're physically present at work or you're um, physically present in a meeting or hanging out with friends or having coffee or even during your maybe family dinner. But relationally or productively, you're absent because you're Every two minutes, you're checking a notification or you're responding to a text message or looking at social media, whatever that is, that notification is drawing you away. So you're functionally absent, right? That is really important. You need to excel daily in order to be good at a job, in order to be present and and valuable in a relationship. You have to strive to excel in that. And that means setting aside the phone, setting aside the notifications that you can sharpen your focus and do what you need to do. Another aspect of reliable character is to be truthful. I love how truthfulness and trustworthiness go hand in hand with reliability. It's how all these virtues tie together. So to be truthful, to to be full of truth and to tell the full truth, right? Deceiving other people is not simply a matter of lying or cheating or stealing, right? Deceiving is so easy online. It's so easy to do over a text message, to portray yourself as someone different on social media. You know, we've talked about this in so many different podcasts, but really it's about being the same person online as offline. That makes your character and who you are reliable because they know that they are not going to get someone different on, on Monday 
than they're going to see on social media on Monday night, right? The person who shows up to work is the same person who may be posting on social media. You are reliable in who you are. And finally, another way um, that people practice reliability as a virtue is that you value your values. Now, let me explain this. Your values should dictate your behavior, not your circumstances or your feelings. So if you really value a friendship and you haven't seen that friend in a while, but you really value them and you cherish them and you're having coffee, valuing your friendship means that you are going to set that phone aside. You are going to set your smartphone on do not disturb or just simply turn it off because you value that friendship so much that you're not going to give into your sort of self, you know, lack of self-control and answer that text message or answer that phone call. Or if they get up and go to the bathroom, you're immediately pulling out social media and checking it, you know, to do that. Valuing that relationship means being fully present the full time. So if you don't want to sacrifice your actual values, make sure that you know what they are and be reliable to those values, regardless of your instant gratification desires. So as a parent, building these sort of character traits that build up into reliability, here are some things that you can do as a parent. One, keep your word. If you tell your children that you're going to do something, do it. If you say that, you know, hey, I really value patience, but yet you're not exerting patience hardly at all, they're not going to value it, right? That's the simple reality of valuing your values. So keep your word and follow through, right? That's number two, follow through with what you say you're going to do. If you say, hey, I really want to read this book together over the summer, make sure you get to it. Don't let time pass before you can follow through and keep that word. And finally, act like a parent, not as a friend. It's really tempting in our culture today to act like our children's friends, but we have to realize that our children truly rely on us to be their parent. They'll never say, I rely on you, you know, mom and dad to, to set boundaries and to, to lead me in my values and morals. But we know that they do. We know that this is learned in the home and it is, is extremely important for the parents to be reliable in that way. So they rely on our consistency. They rely on our boundaries. And that comes when you act like a parent, when you hold them to a standard, to a set, um, certain set of expectations and you know, follow through on those standards and expectations, not letting them get by with whatever as a friend would do. Moreover, they also really value um, and rely on our authority. They, of course, again, may not say, hey, I really value your authority in my life, but this is how they learn to value and respect and rely on the authority of others. When we go to, and think about them applying for jobs um, or in careers as they get older, this is going to be really important is to have that authority that is relied upon. There's always going to be someone um, who, is, who is a boss or a manager above them. And this is really important. It starts in the home. When you are reliable, you can also teach your children how to be reliable themselves. Okay, in our app focus today, we're going to be talking about text messages. Now, this is a pretty basic feature, but I want to touch on it because Maybe you use a different platform than your child, or maybe you um, just don't realize all the features that are available regarding text messaging. So we're going to talk about Apple, and then we're going to talk about Android, and then some other text messaging apps. But first, we're going to talk about the Apple iMessage. 
This app is, you know, it's the, it's the green conversation bubble. That's what the app icon looks like on your phone. But when you are actually texting, right, iMessages, what distinguishes that are the, the color blue. Whereas a text message versus an iMessage, the text messages are green. Now the difference in that is that iMessages are transmitted over the internet, whereas text messages, the green ones, are transmitted over the cellular signal. Now iMessages can be turned off on the iPhone. It's not a parent protected, uh, password protected you know, um, control for you, but it can be turned off under settings. Then you scroll down and find the tap message, tap the messages and then toggle the iMessage off. You can also turn off multimedia messaging when iMessage is off. And this is what will prohibit your children from sending and receiving pictures. If this is a big concern, we talked about sexting a little bit earlier, you can turn this feature off. Um, it also does turn off group texting as well at that same time. Some features with iMessage is that you can also send read receipts. This is really popular amongst teens. Um, they want to know exactly when their friends or even, you know, their mother, I get this from my own children, and it says the exact time, you know, read, you know, 11.23 a.m. and then they'll know. And so they'll often use this in conversation and say, oh, you know, so-and-so left me on red. Now what that means is not read the color, it means that the person read the text message and they didn't respond. So the person who sent the text message gets that read receipt saying, Kelly read this message at 11.23, but I haven't responded. So even my children, you know, will do this to me when we're texting back and forth, you know, why did you leave me on read? And I'll say, I was at work. I read your text message, but it didn't need an immediate response. So I didn't respond because I wasn't available necessarily to respond. That's um, an important feature that you see a lot amongst teens. So also in iMessage, if, if you're an a Apple user, you may already know about this. So right above the keyboard, there is the iMessage apps. So you have apps outside of iMessage, then you have very specific iMessage apps. And these are little tiny icons. You can actually um, send, and send videos and pictures through these apps. You can actually search the little iMessage app store for different apps that provide stickers or animations or games that can be purchased. Um, you can send animated GIFs through this feature. And some other apps that have iMessage apps are like Dropbox and Google to send documents. Apple Music, you can send someone a song over text message. YouTube to send a video. Google Maps to send location. The Holy Bible app in order to send um, beautiful Bible verse pictures to someone. Target has an app in there. Starbucks, actually, interestingly, you can actually send gift cards from $5 to $15 to someone over text message. You can create a poll through the app, the polls app that helps group decisions be made easier. Open table to make a dinner reservation, and then Game Pigeon. This is probably the most common iMessage apps there, and it allows you to play games back and forth with someone over text message. There's games like darts, bowling, archery, basketball, mini golf. I have tested them out and played them a little bit. I'm sure they are highly addictive for kids who maybe sit and bored in class or or bored somewhere else. They can kind of play a game back and forth with their friends. It lifts a little bit for me as an adult, you know, to be desired. I, I don't think I personally would get wrapped up in these iMessage games, um, but they can be fun um, every now and then to play with someone. When considering that for your children, the risks are pretty harmless of having the Game Pigeon iMessage app inside there, except for if they do have the ability to have their phone out during school. I would say this could be a real concern because it's very easy 
to not talk to someone, to not have to say hard words, but maybe you're just going to play games back and forth with someone. And so that could be very distracting when considering that you're supposed to be at school to get an education. Now, moving on to Android messaging, lots of Android users use lots of different apps. The Android platform, which is created by Google, is very broad and open and allows for lots of different apps to be used. Ultimately, there's three different messaging types. There's SMS, which is the standard text messaging. There's MMS, which is the sending and receiving of pictures. And now they have on some platforms the RCS, which is the chatting like iMessage, where those messages are being sent over Wi-Fi, and it does allow for live typing and read receipts, very similar to iMessage. The Android texting apps can vary based on your cellular service. Like I know some Android users who maybe um, are with Verizon, they use the Verizon texting app. Some use the actual Android texting app feature, and some use other texting apps altogether, which we're gonna talk about in just a minute but generally they don't have some of those specific iMessage features that Apple has. Now, as I mentioned that the Android platform was created by Google. So any Android phone is essentially, you know, got Google right behind it and some Google communication apps that can not only be used on Android, but that can also be used on an Apple phone. And they have plenty. Google is all about us communicating. And so here's a list of all of the different Google communication apps, Google Allo, Google Duo, Google Talk, Gmail, Google Groups, Google Hangouts, Google Plus, and Google Voice. These are all features that Google has created in order to facilitate communication online um, with certain groups, certain people, video chat, everything. They've thought of it all and it's all right there. You can do that all through Google. Now, aside from Google, there are lots of other free apps that allow you to text message over the internet. There could be a, you know, varying different reasons why you might use these other texting apps versus your standard um, iMessage or Android text messaging app. But with the, them being free, it does allow for you to communicate maybe with certain people. So some of these include Facebook Messenger, which is one of the most popular ones out there. Of course, it allows you to communicate with anybody you're Facebook friends with. So if you don't have someone's phone number, you can easily communicate with them over Messenger as long as you're friends on Facebook. WhatsApp, which is most popular worldwide, and that is also owned by Facebook. GroupMe, TextNow, TextMe, Kick, Skype, Telegram. These are all really popular texting apps. Um, they're generally the same. Not a whole lot of them offer a lot of different features, you know, except for like the ones that are owned by Facebook. Of course, it incorporates all of your Facebook friends really easily. They all have different age ranges as far as what the app store um, or Google Play store says is the age range. I think a lot of that has to do with some of the, the negative press that some of these have received, such as Kick. There has been um, predators on Kick who have who've gotten in contact with um, young children. There was even um, a murder several years ago where all the conversations were happening with Kick and it came under a lot of controversy. And so a lot of them have 17 plus, but apps like TextNow and GroupMe are only four plus. So whether or not your child needs one of these kind of third-party texting apps other than the standard one that comes on your phone really is really going to be determined on what need they have to have them. Some children may have some. Um, my teenager who does have Facebook also has Messenger and she communicates for babysitting and nannying quite a bit on Messenger because um, a lot of her contacts, she doesn't have phone numbers for, but she 
has as Facebook friends. So that is one reason why she has that. Also, my kids use the group me texting app because a lot of times you'll have these gigantic group chats. Maybe it was um, a group from church or the, the youth group or um, maybe a, a group from church camp. That seems to be where they, they tend or school. They get these big groups of like 30 or 40 people and you can't put on a standard group text message. And so they use group me in order to communicate what's coming up and different. Maybe I think they communicate homework or Bible verses and, and that type of of, of communication. And so GroupMe has been very beneficial in those regards. But whether or not you allow that is really up to you. Do your research um, and see, does your child really need it? I'm at a certain age, they may, but at younger ages, probably not. All right, our family focus, we're going to be talking about the standards for respectful, kind, and conscientious texting. Texting is really the new talking. As we know, you know, talking is still superior, but the, the benefit and problem with always texting is, that, is this idea that we presented earlier, and that's availability. We're always available. And when we contrast that with reliability, it's actually very different. And this makes relationships challenging, right? Concentration and focus, it makes it being always available, it makes it difficult. And communication can often be impulsive when we're always available and not really just trying to be reliable. So as parents, when we are always available to others, to friends, to coworkers, to family, we cannot possibly be fully present with our children and available to them. Inevitably, you know, our children will learn that our attention will always be diverted to the phone instead of them. And that's a danger. That's a real concern because this is us setting this example for our children so that when they do get their own phone, how do we think they're going to respond? They're going to do the same thing. They're going to always be available to their friends and it's going to be extremely frustrating to us. So the first thing we need to do is be humble and recognize that we have often taught our kids um, this exact behavior. We have shown them that the phone, we can be always available and the phone can interrupt any conversation with our kid or any activity with our children at any time. So I want to give you three ways that you personally, as mom and dad, can modify your texting habits in order to be more present and available for relationships, especially those with your children. First one is to alter your response time. Tell your frequent contacts, maybe it's your your closest friends, your your mother, um, that you are going to intentionally work on delaying your response time. If they really need you, they can call you, but that you are not going to be always available. You will be reliable. I will text you back or I will call you back as soon as I am free to do so but I'm not going to respond immediately. So if you need something important, make sure that you call. So number one, alter your response time. Number two, batch your text messages. When you're home with your children, whether it be over the summer or maybe um, you homeschool or they're young and they're just not in school yet, try not to be perpetually texting or working from your phone in front of your children, right? Keep your phone off of your physical body or you know, set it to do not disturb. And then check it once an hour. And then you can reply to all of your text messages or your emails then. You know, it might take 10 minutes all at one time, but that 10 minutes is better spent all at one time than having your time with your children interrupt it, you know, every every two minutes, every three minutes with I just gotta send one quick text. Or I'm just gonna do this one last email. Batch your text messages. It's okay to respond, right? You're not gonna be always available. You want to alter your response time and then batch your text messages so that you can respond all at once. And number three 
is excuse and explain. Excuse and explain. If your phone rings in the middle of playing, you know, Candyland with your child, or you, you hear a text message come in, or even if you're having coffee with a friend, right? Excuse yourself for a moment while you answer that phone. Or if you're waiting for that text message to come in to say that your child can be picked up from school, right? Excuse yourself and say, I am so sorry, um, but I need to answer this text message because, you know, Adam is ready to be picked up from school and I need to tell him that I'll be there in 10 minutes. Explaining that. Don't just pick up the phone in the middle of someone's conversation and then just start texting because whether we say so or not, it really is rude. It's disrespectful to the other person. So excuse yourself for a moment to do that phone call or to send that text message and then explain what you're doing. This also helps with your children. Mommy is on the phone because I'm, I'm actually checking the weather right now to see if we go play at the park, if it's going to rain. Explain what you're doing on your, your phone and ask your, ask, even ask your children to, you know, can you excuse me for a moment? Because, you know, grandma is calling and I'm going to talk to her for five minutes. Explain what you're doing so that way that they know and they can value what you're doing as important as well. Now, when it comes to your children and setting this standard, right, while you're going to be respectful, kind, and conscientious while you text, you want that standard to be set for your kids as well. Now, as soon as you get your child a smartphone, they're going to want to immediately start texting all of their friends all of the time. And again, like I mentioned before, this becomes really irritating to us as parents because we feel like they're always on their phone. They're always FaceTiming. They're always text messaging. So set your standards and focus on these big areas. Choose when it's not okay to text. So here are some suggestions. During dinner and mealtimes, maybe in their bedroom behind a closed door, you don't want them on the phone and texting then. While they're driving, of course, or even as if they're a passenger. Sometimes when it's just one-on-one, it's really rude if you want to have a conversation, but that other person is always texting or on their phone. So maybe you set that the standard is no texting while in a car. No texting during church. That's pretty easy. Um, No texting during school or in the classroom. Also, while spending time face-to-face with someone. If they have a friend over and they're hanging out, they shouldn't be on their phone texting other friends. Also, when someone else, especially an adult, is talking to you, it's rude if you're having a conversation and you just start picking up the phone and start texting someone, right? It shows that person who's talking, there's actually someone more important and I'm going to respond to them. So when you set this standard, hey, when someone's talking to you, you don't pick up the phone and text. You can excuse and explain if it's really important. And I encourage that sort of communication between you and let your children, you know, do that to you as well. Also, maybe between the hours of 10 p.m. and 8 a.m., right? Set a boundary when you don't, you aren't always available. And maybe even while they're at work, if they're old enough to hold a job. So you set these standards. You say, these are the times that you're not going to be texting. And you hold them to this standard. And then when it's all the other times that don't fall into these categories, hold your tongue. Don't tell them, get off your phone. You're always on the phone because the, Ultimately, what they're doing is they're communicating, they're connecting with their friends, and that is good and that is healthy. We want our children to feel connected to their friends in that way. So set your standards, expect those standards to be upheld, and then all the other times, allow it. Texting for them is just a continual conversation. It's as if they were just talking on the phone continuously. And encourage FaceTime. If you know the person on the other end, 
is trustworthy and maybe it's not the opposite gender. So you're not going to be concerned about maybe what could be seen, you know, encourage them to FaceTime. That's even better than text messaging because it's like talking on the phone, but being face to face. That is, of course, unless you're like a lot of kids, including my own, who they're FaceTiming, but the phone is really just face up to the ceiling. And so you're looking at the other person's ceiling fan and (laughs) not their face. But alas, nonetheless, communication is good. We need to remember that as parents, but hold the standard, hold the boundaries and make sure that there is respectful, kind and conscientious texting from you as a parent and from your child who has their own phone. All right, that brings us to the end of this episode. If you missed anything in the show and you want to learn more, you can find us at braveparenting.net. If you have any questions about what we discussed today, you can email them to podcast at braveparenting.net. And for an in-depth look about how you can build strong character using this technology that our children love, you can pick a copy of our book, Managing Media, Creating Character. It is available on Amazon. Hey, and don't forget to subscribe if you're listening on iTunes or Google or whatever your favorite podcast platform is. Thank you so much for listening to the Brave Parenting Podcast, where we believe that character is greater than media and every child needs a brave parent willing to set the new standard. Now go and be brave.